What would you say if I told you that the Democrats' new assault weapon ban bill accomplishes quite literally the exact opposite of everything that they claim it accomplishes? I'd say, come again? And then I'd laugh because I said, come. Well, if you have any doubts that I genuinely mean it when I say that literally everything in this bill accomplishes the opposite of literally everything they claim it accomplishes, then I suppose it will be my duty in this video to make sure you understand that by the end. <laughs> duty. Hey, greetings and welcome back once again to Legalese. I am your host, Bob. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, and a special welcome to anyone who may be new to the program. Uh, welcome. This is a podcast where we're mostly going to be discussing current events in law, politics, and culture. Now, real quick, uh, I just want to let you know, you can find the show in a couple of different formats. We mainly do the video format that's available on Rumble, YouTube, and Odyssey. Uh, you can also find an audio-only version on Anchor.fm and Apple Podcast. Uh, I have a Legalese community over on Locals if you want to go check that out. And you can do all of those super awesome things as well as uh, support the show and read a bunch of really good articles that I have written and continue to write over on Substack mostly talking about issues of constitutional law. Uh, so links to all of those are down in the description. Now, we have a lot to get to today, so let's just jump right into it. So, the House has finally unveiled its new proposed legislation to ban the entirely fictitious class of weapons that are commonly but incorrectly labeled so-called assault weapons. So, they are calling for a new assault weapon ban that seeks to violate your right to own just about everything. Now, this new legislation makes the 1994 ban look downright fucking libertarian by comparison. Now, this latest attack on our natural right of self-defense as codified under the Second Amendment attacks what they call, quote, weapons of war. Today, we are going to be going through the text of this new bill, H.R. 1808, to plainly explain precisely what this bill seeks to accomplish, how its new definition of what an assault weapon is, is classified with a breadth never yet exceeded. And by the end of this video, I will conclusively prove, as I do with every gun control law breakdown I have done on this channel, that the bill's leftist drafters, and especially uh, Representative David Cicilline, who last month in the People's House uh, called your right to keep and bear arms, quote, total bullshit. And now this month, Representative Cicilline has introduced a bill to ban assault weapons. Uh, now... This is expected to be voted on uh, by the House Judiciary Committee next week. Uh, it is co-sponsored by uh, the House Judiciary Committee's chairman, Jerry Nadler. And it has many, many Democrat and progressive sponsors who have once again demonstrated such a complete lack of technical and tactical knowledge and proficiency in classifying, legislating, and regulating firearms that they should be absolutely fucking ashamed that they ever put their name to this bill because this bill, in every single way, 
says and does the exact opposite of everything they claim it is written to do. So they say the purpose of this bill is to get so-called weapons of war off our street. Now, in my next video I'm already kind of working on, I will be uh, explaining why so-called weapons of war are not only protected by the Second Amendment in equal measure to the small arms more suited to individual self-defense that anti-gun politicians claim they have no designs on banning, despite the fact that that is provably untrue. But, as a matter of fact, the ability for citizens to own so-called weapons of war is an even more fundamental part of the Second Amendment than are the small arms suited for individual self-defense. But that's next time. Today, in this video, we are going to be going through this bill. Uh, it's H.R. 1808. And I will be demonstrating that, as I already said, this bill quite literally does the opposite of everything they claim because in practice, this bill specifically exempts weapons of war and bans the very kinds of small arms that they claim are perfectly acceptable to own. Now, they also say that this bill is meant to keep guns out of the hands of criminals, and I will be demonstrating that this law does quite literally the opposite and makes guns available exclusively to criminals and off-limits to law-abiding citizens. We will also be talking about several uh, different recent gun control measures that are very much related to this uh, because the Supreme Court has recently struck down a number of cases based on the recent precedent set in the Bruin case. Uh, and one of the cases that they vacated deals expressly with an assault weapon ban. So we will be going over that case uh, where an assault weapon ban has now been ruled unconstitutional post-Bruin. So let's get right into the bill itself, H.R. 1808. Now, first of all, it's really not even accurate to call this an assault weapon ban because usually that means a ban on semi-automatic sporting rifles with uh, a, a additionally equally vague and politically motivated term known as, quote, military features. But while your average assault weapon bill will ban some variation of semi-automatic sporting rifles with the so-called military features, this bill goes far, far beyond that. And as we will see, uh, it also will ban entire classes of pistols and shotguns as well, and does many other terrible things as well. So... Let's start by looking at the introductory press release that was introduced to us that gave us the nature and status of the bill. So here we see it says that the Judiciary Committee will vote on Representative David Cicilline's Assault Weapons Bill, H.R. 1808, which, by the way, if you want a copy of, I have it linked down in the video description, uh, I would recommend going downloading it, checking it out. Uh, it's, yeah, definitely worth looking over. But anyways, earlier this week, the House already passed a separate bill 
also by Sicilian, that would create an active shooter alert program similar to the Amber Alert system. And the Sicilian bill, which currently has 211 Democratic co-sponsors and no Republicans, would make it illegal for anyone to import, sell, manufacture, or transfer semi-automatic rifles that have certain military features. These features include a detachable magazine or a fixed magazine with a capacity to accept more than 10 rounds. Semi-automatic pistols and shotguns with similar features would also be covered. So now let's look at the text of the bill for the definitions of each class of weapon that they are seeking to ban. So in defining a semi-automatic pistol, uh, this law says the term semi-automatic pistol means any repeating pistol that utilizes a portion of the energy of the firing cartridge to extract the fired cartridge case and chamber the next round, and requires a separate pull of the trigger to fire each cartridge. Now, that means that this uh, bill will apply to absolutely, literally, every handgun you have ever owned or heard of, except for double-action-only revolvers, pretty much. But now let's get to the juiciest bit. This is what they're obviously mostly interested in how this bill defines assault weapon so as you can see it says the term semi-automatic assault weapon means any of the following regardless of country of manufacture or caliber of ammunition accepted a semi-automatic rifle that one has a magazine that is not a fixed magazine and Two, has any of any one of the following features. A pistol grip, a forward grip, a folding telescoping or detachable stock, or is otherwise foldable or adjustable in a manner that operates to reduce the length, size, or any other dimension or otherwise enhances the concealability of the weapon. A grenade launcher, a barrel shroud, that's the dreaded shoulder thing that goes up, and a threaded barrel. Now, next may be my favorite part because on top of those general definitions about what cosmetic features qualify as an assault weapon, uh, they go on to list additionally specific rifles by name that would be banned under this legislation, which uh, features pretty much every rifle you have ever heard of or owned. And of course, they start with the AKs. And they move on to the ARs, but then the bill goes on for around 10 full pages, listing gun after gun after gun after gun. And just to give you some idea of how extensive this list of banned gun is, banned guns are, I should say, uh, I have uh, quickly done a little video just kind of scrolling through the list of arms I want to play for you guys here.
so basically this bill will be a ban on all semi-automatic pistols, rifles, and shotguns. And it has additional measures that will also uh, ban many different triggers and all silencers. But wait, there's more. It has a safe storage law. So it says, Secure storage or safety device requirement for grandfathered semi-automatic assault weapons. It shall be unlawful for any person other than a licensed importer, licensed manufacturer, or licensed dealer to store or keep under the dominion or control of that person any grandfathered semi-automatic assault weapon that the person knows or has reasonable cause to believe will be accessible to an individual prohibited from possessing or receiving a firearm under subsections G and or X or any provision of state law unless the grandfathered semi-automatic assault weapon is carried on the person, locked in a secure gun storage or safety device that the prohibited individual has no ability to access. So as you can see, uh, to them, securing your firearm doesn't just mean making it inaccessible to others. It also requires making it inaccessible to you as well. Now, of course, it then goes on to do something that most bills do that I really don't think gets enough attention because this is always egregious when they do this. But it goes on to exempt many, many state and federal government employees, even if they are retired. Now, this once again demonstrates that this isn't about keeping weapons out of the hands of criminals. Quite the opposite. Really, this bill guarantees that only criminals will be able to own and use these weapons. Whether that means people who are willing to break the law to possess these guns in furtherance of using them uh, to break other laws like assault, murder, or uh, armed robbery, things like that nature. As well, of course, as the largest and most insidious class of criminals to ever exist. And I am, of course, talking about the government. And I am really not simply using the term criminal here as hyperbole. I mean, what else could you possibly call a group of people who claim the ability to engage in theft and racketeering? Who freely take the fruits of your labor without your consent and who, if you try to resist in any way, will send guys with guns to threaten you and, if need be, lock you in a cage? Who will send other guys with guns to lock you in a cage for things like, I don't know, if you happen to be carrying a certain plant around on you. Who blatantly violate your natural rights and civil liberties by taking from you the very means of self-defense and self-preservation that it is supposed to be their entire purpose and duty to protect. Who will deny you the right to arms, but they will traffic arms that no citizen has ever been able to own and they will sell these weapons all over the world to the very worst dictators, despots, tyrants, criminal regimes, and often many times just outright criminals and terrorists. Let's not forget it was uh, the federal government that armed Mexican drug cartels with untraceable, fully Automatic weapons that were shown to have later been used to kill Border Patrol agents 
and private citizens. Oh, as well as, of course, uh, their frequent arming of outright terrorists like Al-Qaeda and ISIS. And let's not forget the worldwide campaign of mass murder that they are constantly entangled in in multiple countries across the world on any given day. Right now, we have boots on the ground in countries like Yemen and Somalia fighting illegal wars against people who pose no threat to us. These are the people doing everything they can to rob us of the very right that it is their duty to protect and defend. Who feel entirely justified in their actions simply so they can continue their theft, force, and aggression against any and all citizens, not only with a belief that they have a monopoly on the use of force, but the ability to take that sick notion one step further and make sure anyone who dares challenge them on any issue can never have parity and firepower. That is the purpose of the natural right that we codified in the Second Amendment. Now, since we can safely assume that the kind of people in the country who don't let laws against murder, assault, or battery stop them from committing those crimes, it seems safe to assume that these people also won't let laws stop them from getting their hands on these guns, even if that means breaking the law. And since it's only those kinds of criminals and the true master class of criminals who run this country who are specifically exempted from having to follow this law at all, then really, all you have left, the only people who this bill will keep these weapons out of the hands of, are law-abiding citizens. Now, they say very clearly in the bill and in the House Judiciary Committee debates that have been going on on the law, that the main purpose of this bill is to, as they call it, keep weapons of war off of our streets. Yet, the list of things that they refer to as military features tend to fall into two categories. The first one is either ridiculous things that don't exist or are already very, very illegal. Uh, this would include things like attachable grenade launchers. Those are not now nor have they ever been freely available to private citizens. Now, the second class of weapons, and this makes up the, the vast majority of them, has to do with cosmetic features that have absolutely nothing to do with increasing the lethality of the gun. Pistol grips, forward grips, adjustable stocks, threaded barrels, and barrel shrouds are not features that make a gun more lethal, or make it more suited to military uses. Now, where this really, really gets interesting is that on top of that huge list of specific models uh, of guns that this bill labels as weapons of war, they also do include a list of nearly 200 rifles that they specifically exempt because they call them antique rifles, or hunting and sporting rifles, and they say that these are perfectly acceptable to own. Now, what makes this so interesting is that none, not one, of the guns listed in the banned models list includes any gun 
that has ever been used by any military in any war at any time. Now, AR-style rifles are sporting rifles. They have never been adopted by our military or any military. And the semi-auto AKs that it bans have also never been used by any military. The only type of AK that has ever been used by soldiers in battles are what are known as select fire AK-47s. This is a type of rifle that can toggle between semi-automatic and full automatic fire. And those guns have already been banned here in the United States since 1984. Now, on the other hand, when we look at the list, and this is just fucking unbelievable. When we look at the list of exempted weapons that they say are exempted because they are specifically non-military hunting and sporting rifles, we find numerous military rifles. Now, this is something that I have actually covered uh, in past videos, including my one what is an assault weapon, uh, which I discussed there in great detail. Uh, if you haven't seen that, uh, I would highly recommend going and checking it out. Uh, I'll put a link to that one down in the description. Uh, or, yeah, even if you've seen it a while ago, but you could use a reminder. It was a, it was a really good video, so I, I would recommend checking it out if it sounds at all interesting to you. But anyways, what I'm saying is that for example, this bill specifically exempts a gun known as the M1 Garand. Now, this is a military rifle used by the United States military for decades. In fact, General Patton once famously said, In my opinion, the M1 rifle is the greatest battle implement ever devised. That battle implement is specifically exempted as non being a weapon of war. It's named too for the quintessential standard issue rifle for all soldiers in China's military. This would be the SKS. This is specifically exempted. Now, whether you are immersed in gun culture or are completely unfamiliar with it, I think one thing that we can all say we know for sure is that the guns that they are really interested in going after here are the AR-style rifles. I think we all get that. But what we don't all get is, and specifically people who are uh, completely nescient about guns, like the authors of this bill, don't get or take great pains to intentionally lie about in certain situations, if it's uh, the case of politicians and anti-gun activists, uh, take great pains to lie about the fact that absolutely, without a doubt, the AR-15 is only a sporting rifle and in no way a military rifle. Now, I want to do an interesting comparison here for you guys. So you see these uh, two 
different bullets that are on the screen. On the left, we have a very small, uh, a fairly small rifle bullet. On the right, we have a very large, very powerful rifle bullet. Now, the rifle cartridge on the left is a two-two-three Remington round. That is the standard caliber in the AR-15 style rifle. Now the round on the right hand is what is known as a 30-06, and that is the round that is used in actually many weapons of war. Uh, maybe most notably, that is the standard caliber of the M1 Garand, among many other weapons of war. So, and just to be clear here, for those who aren't really familiar with, with rifle rounds, the 223 Remington, the bullet that is made for the AR-15, is such a small caliber that when you buy it, it is officially classed as a varmint-grade round. That means it is, first of all, a sporting rifle, and that the ammunition it shoots is best used for small game like hunting rabbits. Now, some people do uh, use their ARs uh, with the 223 round for hunting deer, but because the 223 is such a relatively small caliber round, as a matter of fact, many states specifically ban deer hunting with the 223 Remington caliber round because it is not powerful enough to take down a deer in a humane manner. So, the authors of this bill either believe, or uh, almost certainly don't know enough to realize that the underlying premise of the bill that they are trying to foist on the American people tells us that the much smaller, much less powerful 223 round, like the one you see in the picture in front of you on the left hand side, is an indiscriminate super murder bullet of evil that is just too powerful for any American citizen to ever use safely for any reason. At the same time, the round on the right, the much larger, much more powerful, 30-06 is a gentle, peace-loving bullet of safeness that you can get shot with all day and be just fine. So, now that we have a good understanding of how H.R. 1808 is so overly broad, that even someone who believes that it is not an infringement of the Second Amendment to ban a myriad of guns that are in common use for lawful purposes would still have to concede that the way this bill is written goes far, far beyond any kind of reasonable restriction. And yet, at the same time, it is so lacking in achieving its main stated, stated purpose, which is banning weapons of war, there's no way this law could be taken seriously. This means that the, you know, fully understood, the provisions of this bill are both unconstitutional and unserious. 
So now let's look at another different reason that this bill is patently unconstitutional, and that is an examination of the concept of an assault weapon ban, broadly speaking, following the recent decision in the Bruin case. So in the wake of the landmark Bruin opinion, the Supreme Court has been using the precedent set in that case that clarified the constitutional test for gun regulations, rejects the interest-balancing approach in favor of a historical approach that asks whether a challenged law is analogous to restrictions that have been traditionally viewed as consistent with the right to keep and bear arms. Now, since Bruin was decided, the court has recently vacated four appeals court's decisions that were upholding gun control laws in light of the Bruin opinion, remanding these cases for reconsideration under the new precedent. Now, one of these cases that it remanded was a Maryland assault weapon ban. Now, this case was Bianchi v. Frosch, and just to give you a little idea of what it was about, the first assault, or I'm sorry, the one assault weapon ban the Supreme Court vacated that we are talking about upheld Maryland's ban on assault weapons, which was defined to include specific models, copies of them, and any semi-automatic center fire, fire rifle that accepts a detachable magazine and has two or more of uh, three features, a folding stock, a grenade or flare launcher, or a flash suppressor. And this same law also include a 10-round magazine limit. Now, in a 2017 case, uh, Colby v. Hogan, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit ruled that the banned assault weapons and large-capacity magazines uh, in that case, and this was another case dealing with the same Maryland assault weapons ban, this Colby v. Hogan, uh, they are saying that the assault weapons and large-capacity magazines that were banned in that case and under this law were not protected by the Second Amendment. And then four years later, in the Bianchi case, the Fourth Circuit panel rejected another challenge to that same assault weapons ban, citing Colby, which reasoned that the guns covered by the law were similar to what they call, quote, weapons that were most useful in military service and thus outside the ambit of the Second Amendment, end quote. Now, even if that were not True, the majority said, Maryland's law would still satisfy intermediate judicial scrutiny. Now, in the dissent on that case, which was joined by three other judges and authored by a fourth judge, Judge William Traxler, he described the majority's opinion as extreme. He said, quote, in concluding that the Second Amendment does not even apply the majority has gone to great lengths than any other court to eviscerate the constitutionally guaranteed right to keep and bear arms, end quote. He went on to say that contrary to that view, the burden that Maryland's law imposes on the Second Amendment right is considerable, and it justifies strict scrutiny, 
which requires that a law be narrowly tailored to achieve a compelling government interest. Now, Traxler reached the same conclusion in that earlier case, Colby v. Hogan, which also saw the Fourth Circuit panel uh, divided. Now, in his 2017 dissent, Traxler noted that the guns covered by Maryland's ban are commonly possessed by law-abiding citizens. He argued that the balancing test applied by the majority was contrary to Heller. He noticed that the majority ignored the common use criterion and made no attempt to demonstrate that semi-automatic rifles have been historically prohibited as dangerous and unusual weapons. He added that Heller in no way suggests that the military usefulness of a weapon disqualifies it from Second Amendment protection. And furthermore, Trexler goes on to say that if the majority is correct, that the semi-automatic AR-15's rate of fire makes it a weapon of war outside the scope of the Second Amendment, then all semi-automatic firearms, including the vast majority of semi-automatic handguns, enjoy no constitutional pro uh, protection since the rate of fire for literally any semi-automatic firearm is only determined by how fast the shooter can squeeze the trigger. And such a conclusion would obviously fly in the face of Heller, which never mentions rate of fire as a relevant consideration. And Traxler went on to note that several of the military-style features that made certain guns intolerable in Maryland's law, such as telescoping stocks, pistol grips, and barrel shrouds, uh, quote, do not make the firearm more lethal or battle-ready, but simply easier to use, end quote. And he argued that the majority was patently wrong in declaring that these weapons are not well-suited for defense of hearth and home. Now, although supporters of assault weapons bans present them as obviously sensible, that impression quickly dissolves when you consider how the targeted weapons are defined. Such laws focus on functionally unimportant features, arbitrarily banning certain guns while tolerating many others that fire the same ammunition at the same rate with the same muzzle velocity. So this video is taking much longer than I had expected it to. Uh, so rather than finish it today, uh, I am going to leave off here. And then I have part two recorded, uh, but uh, I will release that separately. I'll have that out sometime uh, tomorrow. So uh, in the meantime, if you would, uh, first of all, uh, real quick, subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed to make sure you know uh, when that comes out, as well as all my other releases. Uh, you definitely don't want to miss them. I got some really good episodes planned coming up, including tomorrow's is very good. And also, if you will uh, help me with Al Gore's Rhythm by, uh, you know, if you like the video, let me know by hitting that little thumbsy uppy button. Uh, and please leave a comment. Uh, and just let me know what you thought about the video or the topic in general. I always really do uh, love discussing this kind of stuff with you guys in the video comment section as much as possible. So 
yeah, I guess uh, until then, uh, I'll be back tomorrow. But for today, uh, I am, have been Bob for Legalese. And of course, as always, Cartago de Lenda Est. Mercury. Mother-